Hi, this is Andy Brewer with Northwest AHEC. I'm here in the podcast studio at Wake Forest School of Medicine, and I have the pleasure to introduce my guest today, Thomas Reed. Uh, He's a licensed clinical social worker and a co-founder of Carolina Outreach, and he'll tell you all about that, but I just wanted to introduce him as Number one, uh, a teammate on uh, my on an Ultimate Frisbee team and has been for years, and a friend and CrossFitter and all around interesting guy. So I'm excited to have him here, and we're just going to go with first of all, tell us about your background and how you got into you know the build up to Carolina Outreach sure, and sure. and where you're where you're going now. First, thank you for having me. Uh, you're a friend and colleague, and it it is uh, an honor to be here. So my journey uh, begins in the world of business. I started out wanting to become a stockbroker in Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided that selling stocks uh, was a great way to make money and have a career, but it would be more awesome if I could help people. And so got into psychology, uh, got into working with troubled youth, uh, working with Class 1A felons in an institution in New York, cut my teeth on learning how to help people modify their behavior, and came to North Carolina, met my uh, business partner and co-founder of Carolina Outreach, which is a mental health and substance abuse services company. We work with over 15,000 clients. Uh, Over the last 15 years, we've hired and staffed over 2,500 staff uh, and making a difference in the uh, community has been an absolute blessing, and I'm excited to be here today uh, sharing that with you. That's great. Well, you know, we're here in the healthcare world, and I walk into a building every day that has a banner that says, you know, the the pledge to commit your life to the service of humanity, and it seems like that's exactly what you're doing. And and you, you've gone out into a new venture, I know, and, and rising social media star, and, and, and <laughs> but your, your ballywick is communication. Can you tell us about how that relates to mental health and how where Absolutely. you're taking that as far as business and consulting and, and where you're going? Yeah, and I think it'll tie back nicely to what the medical community is doing. So over the past 32 years that I've been involved in the helping profession, and uh, more recently, Uh, the past couple of decades as a licensed clinician, there's tons that I've learned about how people communicate, how people achieve positive outcomes. And as a business owner, I was noticing that there were very nice parallels in how effective communication works in clinical world and how effective communication works in a business world. So as my business started to mature and I had uh, opportunities outside the business, I started uh, doing consulting to other business owners helping them to define uh, what a positive outcome would be and then helping them to to strategically attend to that. And at its core, it keeps coming back to people who succeed are likely very good communicators. And so I started studying that and... and, um, experimenting with what I'd learned over the, the, uh, the decades in the field and have uh, uh, propagated that in the form of a book called TASK. It's an acronym which we can get to. TASK, Performance-Based Communication, and people can find that on Amazon if they are so inclined. Well, great. Well, tell us, why don't you tell us what the acronym TASK stands for? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, some of it is uh, a colleague of mine who's also a teammate 
that you're very well aware of, the editor of my book, uh, Mr. John Michael Riley, he said to me when I first presented him this concept uh, many years ago, he said, well, Tom, it's a very elementary concept. And I said, yeah, okay, it is. But to execute with consistency these concepts is where the magic is, where the lightning in a bottle is. So uh, the, the acronym is the important part. And it's, there are four letters, T-A-S-K. So therefore, there are four tools, communication tools, that if you use them, you are very likely to experience a, a alignment with who you're communicating with. And if you have alignment, you're much more likely to have a positive outcome. So that's our supposition. The T in task stands for treat people, all people, with dignity and respect. Now, here's the caveat. This is where the magic is, okay? I'm with you. Are you following me? I'm following you. I'm, <laughs> in, I'm intrigued. Okay, treat people uh, with dignity and respect at all times. Okay. Letting that reverberate in the microphone at all times. And where people get jammed up is when they say things like, well, I can do that, but if the, if the other person's not treating me well, then why should I treat them with dignity and respect? And that's where people get a little jammed up. So when I coach, when I do seminars and I teach this material, I tell them, you have every right to feel and behave the way you want. If you want to perform with excellence, which means communicate with excellence, this is a tool that you can use. It's at your disposal. I also challenge people to make an intention. So you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being super fantastic, what am I going to commit to in my day? An 8 on this metric, on treating people with dignity and respect. Am I going to be an 8? A six, maybe a ten. Like, what are you going after? Mm-hmm. And they just lean into it. Okay. And I tell people, push yourself, do it, and then just watch what happens. Just sit back and watch what happens in your communication. Can you think of uh, situations where you're treating people, you're struggling to treat people? What's it like for you when you hear this first tool? What 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 comes to mind for you? Well. A lot of things. I have a lot of questions that okay. come up. And, and the, my challenge is avoiding what they call the writing reflex, where you want to correct someone as soon as you hear them say something you either disagree with okay. or find faults instead of uh, validating mm-hmm. their viewpoint with, say, a steel manning their argument or their position and then politely pointing out flaws, um, it's very sure. hard to do. And I, I, You can see where it's complex, yeah, right? And sh- quickly it gets complex. Right, and I'll share an anecdote. I, sure. I, I took a health coaching certification class because I figured, well, health coaching is all the rage, and I, you know, I feel like motivating people, and you know, I, I feel kind of a call to uh, be a better parent, be a better coach, be a better teammate. Mm -hmm. Um, just be better to people. So I figured, well, that's a no-brainer. Let me do the health health coach training. And one of the things that's the hardest to avoid is our innate desire to correct people and Mm -hmm. how we go about that. And I, you know, I'm not not ashamed to admit I didn't pass 
the certification <laughs> requirements. I didn't. I, I spent I, I spent it. you know almost eleven months right. um, practicing on uh, people uh-huh. in health coaching, and I found it very hard to ask open ended questions. Okay. And when people elaborate and they point out their flaws and their bad behaviors and bad uh, habits. Um, it's so hard not to just prescribe mm-hmm. a fix right? instead of helping them come to that conclusion. Right. And then also um, when in coaching environments and teaching environments, when people come up with the most absurd outlier use case for something, instead mm-hmm. of shutting them down, because if you do that, you won't hear from that person anymore, mm-hmm. and then they, they won't feel part of the okay. thing, uh, you include that as part of the discussion and and find out where it goes because usually people if you're they're allowed to be themselves and reveal themselves they'll they'll come to the conclusion so you just said something key at the end there you talked about inclusiveness Mm -hmm. with someone who's saying something that may be inaccurate and that ultimately is respect Mm-hmm. So you're already using the, the, the four tools of task. You're using the first tool, which is treat people with dignity and respect. I tell people, and I teach clinical uh, seminars for licensed clinicians, I tell people, if you are only going to use one tool of these four, and you just use this first one, treating people with dignity and respect at all times, you are already off to the races. You're going to experience some some amazing outcomes, but a key word is trust. Yeah, I, I agree. And in, in, in medicine, you know, the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. Mm-hmm. Well, in communication, do no harm would be to listen and treat people with respect. I think so. people get jammed up also when they feel time pressure. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine for some of your colleagues as medical uh, staff, medical professionals, they feel like they've got to get moving to the next person, next patient, whatever it is, and they have a window of time to affect change. And I think the uh, the medical uh, uh, staff person may feel pressure. Well, that's that's certainly a huge problem. Ah, so let's get to the next tool, and we can talk about that. So layering in this sort of social psychological theory of illusory superiority, it's critical that your listeners understand and or agree that this is what leads to bias. Uh, the, the theory is very simple, that we as human beings, we just we tend to overestimate how good we are at doing things. That could, whether it be driving, uh, it also, uh, how smart we are, how funny we are, we just tend to, to, to slightly overestimate our abilities. We also think we're doing the right thing, whatever it is that we're doing. And it's, it's important, uh, if you're going to use these tools to anchor in this idea that people have um, intentions that are positive, even if the behavior they're displaying is negative or even against the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's called, that's the A in task. And that's assuming positive intention. And so we've got two skills so, so far. Treating people with dignity and respect at all times. And then assuming positive intention. And where that gets us is recognizing that whether you agree with someone you are seeking to understand, in essence, their motivation. Let's use a, a medical uh, example, since your, your listeners are probably those people. Let's use smoking. It's a hot topic. I mean, well, yeah, maybe yeah. It's, oh, we're in Winston-Salem, too. Like, okay. It's the number one lifestyle <laughs> modification you can make to live a little longer, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Okay, so the research is in, right? There, there's no one who, who, the research is in, 
smoking is not good for your health. Do we, do we agree? We, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So why do people smoke? Well, to they, it serves them in some way. Okay, so we'll start with that. With okay, so if you if your job is to get somebody to stop smoking, and we're not talking about a smoking cessation program, you're having mm-hmm. a conversation with someone smoking. If you ask them, I notice you're smoking. People will tell you, okay, I get it. Smoking's not good for me, but in this moment, mm-hmm. it makes me feel settled. And so the positive reframe there is, okay, so it's important for you to feel settled in any given moment. Yes, now we have alignment. I may not agree with it that it's a good idea to do that, but we have alignment. Now the other person who you're talking to, they understand that you understand. Yeah, and you're not coming at them. Right. It's an important uh, context. In Durham several years ago, a lady uh, got up one morning, strapped her toddlers in the back seat of her car, and then drove her car into Jordan Lake. Thankfully, they all survived. There were, were people fishing and jumped in and rescued them. During the forensic interview with the police, they, of course, asked, why did you do it? <laughs> her answer, the world is an evil place, and I wanted to take my angels to heaven with me. I wanted to protect them from this world. Wow. Yeah, how do you respond to that? Well, I'll tell you how I respond, because in my world, mental health, this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the behavior, we separate out. It's, it's important to separate out. It becomes binary. There's intent or motivation, and then there's behavior. So is the behavior positive? Absolutely not. In fact, it's against the law, mm-hmm. and there are lots of consequences that she had to pay as a result. But the intention... To protect their children. Yeah. There's an expression in my line of work, if you're doing family therapy, and imagine those of you who are family practitioners, you may agree with this. Never get in between a mama bear and her cub. Yeah, it's good advice. It's a very powerful instinct. So anyway, recognizing the intention, even in a situation like that, now the other person knows you're hearing them. Mm Mm-hmm. You may not agree, but you're hearing them. Yeah, and that builds the trust. That's right, and it builds alignment, it builds trust. And at the end of the day, you're tr- this whole conversation is about being an effective communicator. Why? Because positive outcomes are likely to be associated with effective communication. Yeah, well, and also the authenticity, authenticity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of your listening skills, too. And when you're... When you're you're repeating back to them what you're hearing and pulling out those intentions. That's a great way of putting it. There's the behavior and the intention, mm-hmm. and, and those things can be at odds with each other for sure. And but they and and you pull them out and examine them separately. And I think that's something that that we all could could do better. Absolutely. I mean, we're all. I mean, I've I've written this book and I struggle with it every day mm-hmm. to 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 hold myself accountable to these standards to use these tools. I'm glad that you used a very powerful word, by the way, and I'm gonna call it into the field of view for the listeners. This this idea of authenticity mm-hmm. in our line of work, which would be whether you're, you're a mental health professional or you're a medical professional. 
those people who are quote unquote really good at their jobs are probably very authentic in how they express that. Would you agree with that? I would. I would also counter that though. You mm-hmm. you said something that struck me was uh, uh, I'll probably say it wrong. A lucid, a illusory superiority. Illusory superiority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that that sometimes clouds or it's our bias to to ha- come into a relationship as better than the other. It's an it's an extremely important theoretical concept to digest as you're navigating the world of communication. It's like what I said before. It's elementary information, but to to perform at a high level is very complex. So I'll give you another example. In the, uh, for the first time in 50 years, traffic fatalities in the United States are trending in what direction? Higher, yeah, you know, for distracted okay. drugs. Obviously, yeah. we, have, we have click it or ticket. We have all these public service announcements about sharing information about how dangerous it is to, to text and drive. Mm-hmm. And when I do seminars, I, myself included, I say, raise your hand for the last month You've texted and driven. Oh, yeah. 90%, 95%. But what percentage of you want to drive safely from point A to point B? No fender bender. 100%. 100%. So there's there's a discrepancy there because obviously texting does not increase your ability to be safe. I think everyone can agree. It's like smoking, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the, the real question is what are people saying in their internal conversation in their head? What are people saying to insulate them from this dissonance, this, this, this idea that they're going to get hurt? Okay? They're, they're, so they're saying things like, oh, I'll, I'll put you, can I, may I put you on the spot? Sure, sure. The last time you text and drive, what do you say to yourself when you're taking it out to look at it? This is important. It's important. i, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'll, I'll counter that with, it's important for you to be a dad. I know it's a very, and to be a great dad. Mm-hmm. You can't be a dad if you're dead. Right. Because you're in an accident. Mm-hmm. So the key is you're not thinking about that. You're mm-hmm. thinking some version of, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got this. I got it's that. other people who get distracted. I got great focus skills. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's illusory superiority mm-hmm. at play. Absolutely. It's dangerous. <laughs> and non-authentic. Not, non-authentic. And it's also uh, it's reckless. And it's not on task. So, mm-hmm. so, so far we have two of the, um, the four tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third tool of task comes from, and by the way, none of this as you, is original. I'm very proud of this, actually. I'm a creative person, but it's all just borrowed. Yeah, from, from all, everything's derivative. Yeah, right. So the, the third tool is based on the strengths perspective, which is a, um, a Daniel Salibi, for those people who like to do research. So the strengths perspective is very simple. We got them. We're chock full of strengths. And people are eager to be recognized for those strengths. And they are uh, important to bring into the conversation mm-hmm. if you want to be an effective communicator. Mm-hmm. In, the, in, in what, the form of praise or just acknowledgement? I, that's a good question. So I think in the form of acknowledgement or even asking people, what, do you, what strength are you employing right now? Um, you're smoking cigarettes. What strength are you employing? So the, 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 some of the answers, I'm being assertive. I, I'm taking care of my need to feel settled in this moment because if I don't take a cigarette, I'm going to walk over there and punch that person in the face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they're employing a strength of self-control, mm-hmm. even though uh, an outsider might look at them as they don't have self-control because they're smoking. But it's the exact opposite. Right. 
Okay? We're lasering in on why people do what they do so we can have an effective communication. So recognizing people's strengths are very important. It's, and, and in this way, it's a lot like investing. You heard the expression, you want to water your flowers and pull your weeds. So strengths are like flowers. You want to water them and weaknesses be more like weeds. Now, this is an interesting sidebar. If a person, and I see this a lot in executive coaching with, with high achievers, like I work with um, people who are former Olympians, successful business people, and high performance, I've noticed that high performers are at risk of this. Take a strength and then over-apply it, mm-hmm. and it becomes a detriment. Okay? I'm with you. Yeah. So that's something to, to layer into this conversation because you've got to be on the lookout, and even in yourself, as you, as you assess yourself, that, that you, if someone says, um, hey, I don't want to be late. Let's go. Mm-hmm. What strength am I employing right now? What, um, what strength am I employing? What strength am I over-employing? Right. Well, I guess the the uh, urgency at uh-huh. which you know, or the import that the event you're trying to get to mm-hmm. is. See, yeah, there's two words. There's importance and urgency. Yeah. Importance, that's a strength, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about why in a second. Urgency implies a tension and a stress. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, people are not, they're not sure. Okay, why is this? So? And the importance part, the 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 strength is. If I say to you, it's important for me to have good relationships, and those re- foundational components include being on time. It's important to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that took five seconds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but how do you feel as opposed to if I said, hey, come on, let's go. We're going to be there. I want to go. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a completely different communication, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Very good example. Staying in touch. And so you can use task on yourself and to help modify the conversation that's going on in your head, super important. Well, that, it goes back to the intent, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are we going to, why does being late matter? Mm-hmm. And my intention is to, to be on time because it's important to me to, to, to strengthen that relationship with mm-hmm. the people that want to feel valued as well. And if I make them wait, then that's now, this is a good one, for, and I'm going to layer in for your medical professionals because something that you all probably see a lot is lateness and no-shows mm-hmm. for appointments from people who are in a lower socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the research on this, but I'm sure that practitioners are going, yep, yeah. okay, yeah. Non-compliance. I Non-compliance. Yeah. And really, uh, there's there's... There are obvious issues about, you know, transportation, pressure, like, and I think your, your medical professionals understand that. But being mindful that people who are disenfranchised in our community, when they wake up in the morning, here's what they're not saying. It's really important for me to get to this appointment on time because <laughs> that doctor or that medical professional, they, they really like me. And they want to see me. And because, um, you know, these people might be going to a school meeting, maybe a meeting with probation, maybe a meeting with their attorney, whatever they're doing. Yeah. Okay. And the world is kind of coming at them. Mm-hmm. You need to straighten up. You need to be on time. You need to take more of this or less of that. Yeah, Stop you drinking. Got, you need to pay this bill. You got to pay this bill. You're going to be out. You know, 
and then you got this appointment that you got to keep. It's tough. Hmm. So anyway, it's not an excuse. I'm just layering in this this idea yeah, that I mean, people are trying to employ their strengths. Yeah, I, th- I think that's important, and, and you know, their intent is to want to make themselves better too. Although they just have a different measurement of how that happens. I right, think. and they may have to suffer some consequences. Like there's boundaries, and they may not get an appointment mm-hmm. uh, if they keep uh, showing up late. Like, like I totally get that. Well, you said the word mindful, and I, it came to mind as soon yeah. as you said, before, right before you said that, I was like, I was going to ask him about mindfulness. And that's one of the things. I mean, we, we do all, we do training at Northwest AHEC and continuing education with mindfulness, even over, mm-hmm. you know, mindfulness just for care preventing caregiver burnout and mindfulness mm-hmm. about eating and culinary um to to really understand uh how the food is going to nourish mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. where it came from and just being more mindful so that we can feel satiated and don't overeat and things like that but mindful mm-hmm. in uh respect of others too and just mindful of how your uh your day schedule mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily triangulate well with mm-hmm. other schedules so that it, it plays in like all of our daily lives every day well i like where you're going with that because it, it it brings us sort of naturally naturally and organically to the fourth tool of task which is the k which is keep people empowered and the idea is is very simple here that we already know we have a lucid superiority that we think we're doing the right thing we attend to the idea that we know people have strengths and so given that context it's natural for people to want to own their own process and to do their thing and so by looking for ways to keep them empowered you wind up creating opportunities for successful communication say say for example you're a um, a doctor, medication prescribed, whatever, whatever, and you're setting an appointment, you can choose to say, I want you to come back next Tuesday at 10. Is it, that's a directive. Mm-hmm. That's not a conversation. Right. And now why would you do that? The positive intent of the doctor, they got a busy schedule. They're trying to, they're trying to help in the most dynamic way, whatever they're, got it, but they're not using task. Mm-hmm. And taking that extra beat my sales, what I sell, in addition to facilitating positive outcomes, I'm selling the granular idea that the investment of time it, for the extra few seconds that it takes to have that articulation, it's worth it downrange uh, that the compass setting will yield a more direct target mm-hmm. when uh, I ask you instead, when's a good time for you to come back for this appointment? I'd like to see you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that I'm working with your schedule. Mm-hmm. What works for you? And they say, well, I'm so glad you asked because the bus doesn't run on Tuesdays. Right. Now, if I'm a doctor and I say, come in next Tuesday, here's what the patient does, especially low socioeconomic. They go, okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they have no idea how they're going to do it. And then they don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. So you're, you're providing <laughs> the empowerment, but also recognizing their agency, too. I Absolutely. And, and, and honoring it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the authenticity comes in. I'm honoring you as a human being. What, how, how does it work for you mm-hmm. in your life? How does it work for you to get from point A to here to this office? I'm going to work with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think what you're you know those those differences in the approach to you know the different wording of your request and mm-hmm. not a directive really does uh, give that quiet empowerment back and mm-hmm. not not 
create that superior inferior relationship. Yeah, yeah, and it's important that the in the communication it circles back organically and seamlessly naturally to this idea of treating people with dignity. Mm-hmm. If if you're using task or using the tools of task, you are you wind up by default treating people with respect, mm-hmm. which winds up reinforcing you wanting to communicate in this effective way. Mm-hmm. And it, it and then and then furthermore, when you're not communicating with task, it, it almost like ringing a bell in your head. You're like, man, I'm so fired up and angry or whatever. And there's a voice in your head saying, yeah, you're not really recognizing the positive intent of this other person. Mm-hmm. And you say to yourself, yeah, I don't want to. I'm too angry to do that right now. So just recognizing that you're off task is important. Right, right. What, what um, I guess it, it rewards are a thing that I come up with. with or okay. it, I find the hardest in parenting is to uh, create the proper... Uh, behavior reward mm-hmm. system and I you know parenting you don't really get a task handbook <laughs> with it and I find you know one of the things with health coach uh-huh. certification training helped me was to be a better communicator with my kids so I, I you know I failed at getting a certificate or at least recommended for it and mm-hmm. but I did win in learning a lot about how I communicate with my kids. What were some and, of the things specifically that you noticed that you were doing different as a result of that training regardless of what you, happened on the test? Yeah. In, 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 in practical application what were you noticing in your communications with your children that was more effective? Well, a lot of things you've talked about, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, validating their intent, validating Mm -hmm. their needs instead of just correcting Mm -hmm. and prescribing and saying, well, here's what you should do. And, 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 you know, and going on monologues, (laughs) you know, and and just lecturing (laughs) and preaching because they, they tune you out. You know, I've, I've walked with my kids around the block, you know, and, and be about 10 minutes and. I haven't stopped talking, and then I said, you know, what do you think about that? And I said, well, to be honest, Dad, I stopped listening about a minute in. You know, I'm like, well, at least you're honest, but... <laughs> you know, I love what, I, what I love about that, what you just said, was you defaulted to at least you're honest. That's a strength. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you defaulted in that moment to recognizing your child's strength, and that, think about how that reinforced with him or her Wow, telling the truth is a cool thing to do. Yeah, and I, I, it, yeah, that's honesty is my big thing with them. It's also like um, asking a question with better inflection in my voice, even if it's the, the same wording, sure. but with not an accusatory sure. tone. So. Yeah, you care. You yeah. care about the outcome of the conversation. That's authentic. If you don't mind, I'd like to spend a minute on this honesty thing. If you go there with me? Sure. All right, cool. So you, you said that honesty is really important to you. Could you go a layer deeper and share with your children? Why is it? Why is that honesty such a motivator for you and so important for you to teach that or in, impact or influence your children to, to have that skill? Why is that so important? Well, I, I think it's one of the foundational rules is to always tell the truth or you know, at least don't lie. So your children over time continue to tell the truth with consistency what what how does that impact their life well i, th- I think it results in greater outcomes i mean it, it, more immediate rewards more you know uh, if they tell me the truth they mm-hmm. realize 
that the punishment for anything bad that they've done is a lot less. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have to find out that they were lying to me about something, mm-hmm. then then that certainly uh, impacts them greater in a negative sense. And I think telling the truth elicits better feedback from me too and say, hey, I'm so glad you came to me and told me this and, and, and didn't try to dance around. Agreed. Either. And I, I think I'm hearing you say, and I'd like, to, I'd like for you to correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm hearing you say that your impact and role modeling to ha- of telling the truth and honesty impacting these positive outcome results equals greater, more improved quality relationships. Oh, absolutely. Is that absolutely? Yeah, core. I was I was trying to get there, but yeah, you I got think, there. Yeah, you did it. And they and they and I find that mm-hmm. they are more willing to ask me questions that are uncomfortable. Um, so, I love it. Yeah. Now, if we if we crosswalk this conversation over to your medical community, mm-hmm. and if I were to challenge listeners to say, ask yourself how important it is for you to have productive relationships mm-hmm. with your patients. Well, I think it's of the utmost importance, and in, 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 in given the constraints, I guarantee even... there's I guarantee there's variability on that metric. Mm-hmm. If we get 10 or 100 medical professionals in a room and they're being completely honest. Mm-hmm. There's variability depending on the patient. Mm-hmm. And we're human beings, oh, we're, yeah. right? We're, some people we like, we just naturally like. Yeah. And the key is regardless of the variability, if you can pick a path in communication mm-hmm. and stick to that path, then you're likely to experience positive outcome. That's why I wrote the book, Task, to help people pierce or navigate that that straight Mm -hmm. line you know in working historically with people involved in gangs family systems that would call the police 50 times a week Mm -hmm. i'd have uh sheriff departments uh um, calling me say tom is there any magic that you can what can you do (laughs) to get these people to stop calling 911 because it's against the law to call 911 if it's not an emergency, mm-hmm. but it was an emergency for these people. They yeah. literally oh, had yeah, those yeah. emergencies. So th- having these um, productive communications in our industry, medical and mental health, it matters. Yeah. Yeah, I think it matters greatly. And, and, and you said, well, a lot of things that you've said um, overcome, you know, there's this great uh, push to... Uh, correct people on unconscious bias yes. and, and bias training mm-hmm. and uh, some of the things that I've gone to, I've gone to several of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some some have been really good, but cool. the majority of them is just focusing on the negative mm-hmm. and it's not talking about the change in communication like you are mm-hmm. to the avoid tools. that mm-hmm. and, and to remind yourself to, to keep everyone on an equal footing, no matter what they look like or how they sound or uh-huh. their socioeconomic level. So, so I think that's a great tool for our listeners is to, 
to to think about their own biases and, mm-hmm. and and that instead of taking these just crazy online tests that that just seem so random, but to to focus on the communication aspect and and in this in this day and age with the opioid epidemic, uh-huh. I think is is really important because a lot of practitioners when someone comes in with pain, they mm-hmm. immediately think, oh great, drug seeking. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so it, it plays really big into that. I think that's a great point, and this the. <sighs> You've brought up a hot topic for me, this idea of like even personality inventories, these assessment, online assessments. To me, I'm, very, I'm old school. If someone tells me they have a bias, they have a, that tells me they have a passion. Mm-hmm. I want to know what your passion is. I can work with passion. What I can't work with or what I struggle to work with is apathy. Mm-hmm. Apathy to me simply means I don't know yet what your passion is for whatever reason. I just don't have that information, Mm -hmm. but I, I I really don't believe that people are apathetic. And when we put people in a box and say they are apathetic, Mm -hmm. watch out. You're probably not using task. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Now I want to layer in another concept and I want to challenge the audience, a call to action that recognizing if, if you are in a power struggle, I want to challenge you that you are not effectively communicating. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds very simple, straightforward, but if we think we have the high ground, mm-hmm. like we have the information, the other person just needs to adopt it, that's a power struggle. Mm-hmm. And when I teach de-escalation and behavior modification, one of the things that I layer in that power struggles are the enemy of effective communication. Mm-hmm. So you got to recognize when you're in it and recognize that you might be deluding yourself like, oh, this other person is not a good listener, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. It's like, no, they, they know how to listen. They're just choosing not to right. in this moment. Or they're pushing they, back. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, like in the example you gave, it was great when your child, your child had demonstrated a strength. Your child chose to tune you out. That's a, that's a very dynamic skill to say, I'm choosing not to listen to you right now. Okay, now there are consequences to that natural, like they're not getting your wisdom or whatever it is that they're not onboarding, mm-hmm. but they are demonstrating a strength. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, God, there was something that came to mind, mm-hmm. uh, and now I forgot. <laughs> That's, oh, no, I, I know what I want to say. Uh, the whole notion of power dynamics sure. and power struggles, and, mm-hmm. and this, um, you know, I've read a lot or listened to a lot of podcasts that talk about you know, debates and arguments, the outcome, the desired outcome is that there's a winner and a loser. Ah. And if you're in a relationship with someone you live with and you have an argument and there's a winner and a loser and you still have to go to sleep in the same, (laughs) under the same roof together, well, Uh you're sleeping with a loser, you know, and that's just not a good way to start your day when you wake up and say, I'm a winner. And then I've got a loser in there. Wow. That's intense. That, that is, that's a whole nother podcast right there, but I'll take a little bit on the, 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 I, I would suggest in that situation, we change the language from argument to a there's a there's a process happening in that family system mm-hmm. where information is being exchanged and whether the information is being exchanged with each other uh, in an activated way or a quiet passive way it's just information exchange um, so the um, 
blanking on the 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 author's name will come back to me, but there's three um, stances of communication that in whether you are aware of it or not, you're in one of these three stances at all times. Mm -hmm. You're either turning towards somebody, you're either turning away from them or turning against them. Mm -hmm. And so in your example, you talk about an argument, that's clearly turning against. Mm -hmm. But people who are in the argument may feel, well, I'm being passionate, so I'm trying to turn towards. Mm -hmm. And so it's important, especially if you're in an intimate relationship, uh, or, or, or if you're in even a, like a client-patient relationship, to have this understanding of recognizing how you are communicating. So say you're using the four tools of task, but you're yelling at the person. Well, then you're not treating them with dignity and respect, so you're not really using the tools. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, the stance of turning towards somebody is so powerful that the four tools that we've talked about this morning can turn on that switch so that you're automatically turning towards people mm -hmm. and if we all know people who are just naturally they seem like they're naturally just great at communication mm -hmm. well guess what they're doing almost all the time they're turning towards people yeah and they're leaning in and yeah being authentic yeah that's right yeah i'm going to lead us towards you you mentioned um as an as an extension of of healthy communication and especially as you, you talk about medical professionals, which I would imagine there's some level of burnout. I don't know what the statistics are. Yeah, I don't either, but it's, it's, it's pretty common. But in mental I mean. health, you know, we have high oh, yeah. stress. Um, people will say to me, Tom, how have you worked a career working with people who, quote unquote, abuse their kids? Mm -hmm. Or so you, here's what I, here's what a universal understanding that I've had. And I've got enough repetitions under my belt that I can say that this is an observation decades in the making. People who abuse their children are trying to communicate something. Mm -hmm. Now, they're doing something very harmful. Like, I want to be very clear. Like, they should not do that. Yeah. But if you want to affect change in a family system, you better understand how family systems operate. What are the rules mm -hmm. of that family? What, what, what are the culture of that particular family? And then work within that construct. I was working with a family one time that had, I was fortunate to have, I think it was, I want to say it was four generations. It was like a great, 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 whatever, yeah, grandma yeah. in the room. And this whole family lived in awe and fear of this person. It was a very natural. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, stakeholders and other providers were scared to death of this person. To me, I, I want to partner with this person. This person is articulating so much passion for this family to be successful that anyone that gets in her way, including the family, she's going to steamroll. I want to know what's driving you. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important for you? And just like your example with your children, you want them to have healthy relationships mm -hmm. because, you, because you know that matters. Well, she also had a vision for the family. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to bring that vision out in a pro-social way had a major impact on that particular family. Well, I love how you changed the word to passion because mm -hmm. so many times we make temporary emotions mm -hmm. allow us to make permanent decisions mm -hmm. and the outcomes aren't so great but if if somehow we change that from anger mm -hmm. or 
whatever the other emotions are, and we turn that into passion, and we can say, hey, I can see you're passionate about this, whether it's a negative That's right. uh, tone or positive. It, yeah, you're passionate about this, and let's get to the root of that. That was beautiful, what you just said. That's a, and, and I'm a realist. I, I, it, it, I don't know that I'm naturally good at any of this. I just have come to understand that people want to be heard, mm-hmm. and they will be heard. Right. <laughs> One way or another. One way or another, they will be heard, yeah. whether passively or actively. Mm-hmm. They will get their point across. So why not cut to the chase? Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. There's been uh, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of uh, noise, I guess, out there about uh the victimhood and the grievance culture, the, okay. you know, the, the call sure. out culture and everyone's offended sure. and safe spaces and all this. I mean, okay. how do we, you know, there are definitely legitimate victims out there, but how mm-hmm. do we turn, how do sure. we turn that into the, the passion in which mm-hmm. they want to go after things and, mm-hmm. and recognize that and help people like that turn around and sure. see that their passion can be directed to real positive change in, in our society? Sure. You ha- that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. right, so number one, first We're rule of thumb. We're going to solve it right here, aren't we? <laughs> first rule of thumb is, is it's always a good thing to accept people, to, to, to let go of the power dynamic or the control, and instead try and tune into the frequency of what people are trying to, in this case, assertively communicate. There's the strength. They're being assertive. Even though the thing that they may be saying is off-putting uh, or, or accurate, inaccurate, whatever it is, I'll give you an example. Uh, there, I was asked to do a seminar to help um, a group of people in a city where they were um, trying to protect the rights of of women who uh, would seek out abortion. And then there was another group that wanted to try and prevent these people from having access to that. That's a very difficult... I mean, is that not one of the most difficult ones? It is. It's the continual wedge issue in our society. So so I don't know that I can fix that in a conversation, but what I can sell, Mm -hmm. whether people buy it or not, Mm -hmm. what I can sell... And what I can pitch is that if you're treating people with dignity and respect, then you're on the pathway to productive communication. So if someone wants to try and take the high ground and say, well, you're killing people. Like if that's if you're if, if you're, you're just lobbing in a hand grenade mm-hmm. at that point. Right. You, and if, if I have access to you, I'm going to say if you give me permission to say, because I will ask for permission to right. share my thoughts. And that's authentic. Mm hmm. I will say, I see you in a power struggle. And they will say, you're damn right I am because I'm fighting for lives. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, well, how effective do you want to be? It's like the smoking thing. How effective? It, at some point, you have to break it down to the point where you're going to treat someone with dignity and respect or you're probably not going to be effective. Right. So right. Do you, is it like you just like the bullhorn? Right. And you like screaming? Like I, my assumption is that you don't like that. You'd rather have people do this other behavior, but you're not getting there. You're not getting the results. Yeah. So we're in the weeds a little bit with that, but that's a complicated one. But I say, regardless of how complicated, stay on task. Well, you know, I was going to relate this to a business metaphor where, oh, you, great. Have, where you have shipping and receiving. Love so, it. Come on, go. So you can ship things out, but if people aren't ordering them, or rece- they're not going to receive them. That's so, right. So, so you have, like I love that you said, 
you know, I would love to ask you or, or tell yeah. you mm-hmm. what what I think mm-hmm. might be more effective, if, if 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 I may. That's right. And ask for permission, because then you give that agency back and you empower mm-hmm. that person to maybe open up their ears and, and, and at least listen to what you have to say, whether they agree with it or not. Right. And I think what it what this process that you and I are talking about today, this what this process does is insulate professional caregivers, doctors, social workers, therapists. It insulates staff, professionals from burnout. Mm -hmm. I tell people, I'm not that worried about burnout. Why? Because people will self-correct, meaning they'll leave the job. Yeah. The problem with burnout is they do damage before they leave the job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so that worries me. But what what scares me more than burnout is compassion fatigue. Because mm-hmm. people will hang on to a job with compassion fatigue, mm-hmm. and they, with their illusory superiority and their bias, they may not even be aware. They just feel stressed, mm-hmm. but they not not recognize that they are suffering. Yeah. So, so, what I encourage people to do is be hyper vigilant of your self care, especially in the medical community and the therapy community. Be hyper attendant to your self-care and check in with colleagues, check in with uh, partners, whatever, whatever you have as a support network to ask, how, are, how am I being received? Because do, do, stress is normal. You mm-hmm. get up in the morning like, I got a meeting I don't really want to go to. You got to go to it. Okay, that's stress. Mm-hmm. But, but compassion fatigue, what you watch out for that. Yeah, you know that's great, and we do programs in at Northwest AEC on mm-hmm. on that very subject. And uh, why do you do those programs? Well, because I think it's recognized as a problem in mm-hmm. in caregiving and healthcare disciplines. So I think I think it's just something that people ask for, and and, and that w- that we provide, and we have faculty that 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 are really specialists. In I that, think it's the it? shiniest object in the room. I think I think that managing and affecting change with compassion fatigue for people who give care. And I'm, I'll include police departments in this too. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a little bit of a chance here because I happen to be someone who, who thinks that community policing is a noble activity and profession. I have the utmost of respect for police. They're the people in fire, you know, first responders. Mm-hmm. They're the people running in a building when everyone else is running out. Yep. Like, so you've got to give them some respect. But you know, we, all, we know that there are abuses in any uh, position. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is people, most people, they don't join the police so they can go beat somebody up. Right. You know, that's, that's just not what they do. Yeah. And so, but there are communities of people who have suffered on, in our society with the, the, the um, we know we know the history of our of our yeah, culture sure, of our sure. country, and I think sometimes police get caught in the middle of that, and so they also are at high risk of compassion fatigue and mm-hmm. burnout. It's a tough situation to be in. You ask any police officer, what do you at the end of the day? What do you really want each day? Almost to a person, they'll tell you the same answer. You know what it is? Mm-hmm. Want to go home to my family? Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah. It. I just want to go. Yeah, they just want to go. And so, anyway, this idea of um, insulating uh, from compassion, fatigue, and burnout, to me, is the hottest topic that we're not talking about in our culture right now. So I'm thrilled to hear that you guys do it Mm -hmm. at your your trainings and such. But I would tell you that, to me, this is where I think the, the... 
the, it, it's a gold mine in terms of affecting positive change in our world. And this is part of the reason I wrote the book was to create a, a revolution and helping people or participate in a revolution where people are, are communicating more effectively. Yeah, I love that. And I, yeah, I, I said in one podcast that the that Hippocratic Oath, if, if we could incorporate that in all society, not just the medical community, at first do no mm-hmm. harm, mm-hmm. that would go a long way. And I'd be remiss not to mention the spirit of the game in Ultimate Frisbee sure. and, and how we regulate arguments or disputes mm-hmm. in, in the sport with mm-hmm. no referees mm-hmm. and how that could translate into, into communication. Yeah, because ultimately it, it's about, not it, it, the word responsibility comes to mind, mm-hmm. but ultimately if you peel back the onion another layer of that you automatically default to respect respect yeah i think that is the foundation of responsibility respecting yourself Mm -hmm. respecting others respecting the world in which we live Mm -hmm. in as well i think that's awesome you cannot convince me that by doubling down your efforts to communicate respect to somebody that that does nothing other than contribute to a positive outcome. I mean, it's, it is such a healthy activity to do it that, and it's so simple and it, it's free. Mm-hmm. Costs you nothing. Right. Other than if in your head you think it's not the right thing to do because you don't like what's happening in the yeah. room. Right. That's the only part that could jam you up. <laughs> right. So I tell people is when I'm selling, I'm pitching, let go of that power struggle. Mm-hmm. That power struggle is not helping you. And it's easy to get sucked into thinking that it does. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. fired up. I'm fired up. It's not helping you. Yeah. You're the only person in the room right you're, now who's fired up. Yeah. You're passionate. Yeah. Let's you're it passionate. Passion. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. But now we want to be passionate and effective. Right. Channel it. Yeah. 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 Well, for those who don't know, the, the spirit of the game is, is you know, basically nothing is more important than the mutual respect of of, of the players and the in your opponent mm-hmm. so uh, all disputes are, are resolved with that in mind and it's just a good guide i think mm-hmm. just playing that sport is, has done a lot of value in my added a lot of value in my life to to my relationships and knowing that conflict can be resolved in 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 pa- both passionately authentically with with respect mm-hmm um, so I'm going to, I know mm-hmm. you got to go, yes. um, I'm going to stop, uh, conclude with, um, your namesake, which I, you know, I was Googling you to find a, <laughs> find your bio and, and Thomas Reed is a Scottish philosopher. And, and, and the first quote that came up was, there is no greater impediment to the advancement of knowledge than the ambiguity of words. Wow. Be clear, people. Be clear. Be clear. So tell us again the, sure. the book, where you can get sure. it, where you can find you sure. on social media and all that stuff. And it's so funny, you know, one of my little taglines that I've come up with, that it, that I've done this to replace, you know, kiss, keep it super simple or keep it simple, stupid, whatever. Yeah. That no, to me, that no longer applies, especially with the millennial generation. They want to know information, which I think is great. So what I encourage people to do is be clear, be simple, be compelling. Mm-hmm. So if you're using task, and as, as a business owner too, like med- a lot of medical professionals are business owners or managers, whatever. If you're using task and you're being clear, simple, and compelling, you're on fire. You are communicating with excellence. Task, performance-based communication, you can find it on Amazon. I encourage people to get it and give it to your friends. You know, even if you don't give them the link and just give them the book and, and poach it, go for it. I just want the information out there. 
Well, I think it's a great an, 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 an antidote to the unconscious bias Absolutely. that we have instead of some of these ridiculous trainings yeah. that I've witnessed <laughs> firsthand that, that yeah. we could focus on, on those communication aspects. I think we could overcome a whole lot of that and be a better society. So I'm, I appreciate your revolution that you're starting there. And, and uh, tell us, where, like Instagram, Twitter, where sure. are you? And, 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 and let me say thank you for having me. It has been a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so glad you could take a moment. I know you're traveling today, and, and mm -hmm. you, you had to make a little extra rate to get to Winston-Salem, but I'm so glad you, you did. You were good. You got me here. You were, yeah, you were tenacious. That's your strength. Right on, right on. And, uh, and, and I guess we'll be playing uh, Frisbee soon in Atlanta for regional. We, we will. Instagram, T-O-O-M-Y-R-E-I-D, Toomey Reed on Instagram. You can also get me on Instagram at my new um, personality on Instagram, which is the full to me. And that's probably a whole nother um, podcast uh, related to how I do my intensive boot camp st style executive coaching. That's awesome. Well, again, I appreciate you having here, and I Thank want you, you back because we got we could talk for three, four hours on, on I would so love many it. of these topics, especially mental health and, sure. and communication and, and and all the issues around that. So again, Tommy Reed, everyone, the full to me is in the house. Thank you. It was a privilege. Thank you.